program parameters. Player code established. Welcome to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing host playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. How many people have seen Tommy Lee's dick this week? Anybody? Anybody? I'm seeing way too many hands in the Loudwire camp. Are you guys his pimp or something? What's going on here? I, I see many uncomfortable people saying yes, and the ones with bags under their eyes, frizzled hair, and a five o'clock shadow are reluctantly saying yes again. That aside, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. Atavistia is here to talk about that hilarious t-shirt design, plus Killfeather released a new album this week. Let's talk to him about it and so much more. In the Metal News Recap, Metallica were loved by y'all. Now those same people want to cancel them. Plus, Spotify is trying something new. Curious to know if it'll flop. But coming up in a few short moments, let's take a crack at that first Arch Enemy album in five years, plus more of Metal's newest releases. All this and more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Back to normal for us for sure, though, of course, with metal, normal is a rarity and usually shunned by society. Unless, of course, you are normal in metal, in which case, what is that like? What are you? (laughs) Quick thing before we get into the metal reviews here. I realized this week while working on this show that an album I reviewed in the last episode, Carrie and Vale's Abhorrent Obsessions, was not released last week. Uh, Apparently, I don't know what happened, but apparently when I downloaded the promo copy and set the date in the file name so that I know when it comes out, which I usually do for all of them, plus it's easier to find, I put 0805 as the release date, when in reality, it didn't come out until 0812. I saw that. It was like, oh, fuck. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't been ringed out by their PR reps for that, which I totally would have been in most cases. I guess in this case, there wasn't a proper disclaimer saying, do not play this on a podcast until release date or unless you have special permissions. So uh, I don't know. But uh, to Carrie and Vale, if you're listening to this, hopefully you like the review. I I don't know. But I hope the release is going great for you nonetheless. In the meantime, though, let's get into this week's releases. We've got quite a bit of ground to cover here, so let's not waste too much time. But one thing before we get started, if you have any albums you want me to talk about on future episodes of the podcast, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. Don't use Gmail and don't put an extra A in my last name. The email will bounce. Or you can reach out on my socials, Facebook and Twitter at themetalrobot, Instagram at the dot metal robot. Use the hashtag Metal Robot Podcast so I can find you. Now, without further ado, let's take a look at what we've got. First album in five years from the Swedish with a dash of Canadian melodic death metal band Arch Enemy, Deceivers. 
Yes, the pandemic probably didn't help with the timeline, but still glad we have something at the end of it all. And boy, does this album come out swinging. 46 minutes of absolute fire. Front to back, the entire band is firing on all cylinders to deliver a great collection of dark and catchy riffs, pounding drums, thick bass lines, those fucking solos, and of course, teeth gritting vocals from the one Canadian in the group. Shit, those teeth are so cut, you could probably make a damn out of those, eh? You're damn right I did a Canadian joke. True North, strong and free, but not free from making fun of ourselves. Any problems with that? We'll take it out back behind the igloo and we'll have the moose referee, okay? Now, standout tracks already. The singles do great for this album. Deceiver, Deceiver, Sunset Over the Empire, and Handshake with Hell are massive bangers. Great moments throughout and overall, and awesome sound throughout. Thrashing, grooving, and melodic as well. Now, actually, funny thing, when I did uh, my reaction and review to the single Deceiver Deceiver on the main YouTube channel back in May, oof, I promise there's more videos coming, just hold on, I mentioned a few things that I found repeated quite a bit throughout the entirety of the album, including the bass. I did mention it's thick, but unless it's given its own time, it's a bit hard to tell what the bass is actually doing, as they're mostly setting the root of the chords and also following the guitars. Which isn't anything new for this genre, and it doesn't really detract from the rest of the album, but I would have loved to hear the bass go off on its own a few times to stand out amongst the rest. Overall though, no real complaints. It's fairly similar to previous albums from this band and in this genre, but as a Mellow Death fan, I have nothing but love for more Mellow Death when I can get it. Plus, the fact that Alyssa is allowed to show off her powerful clean singing more often is a great touch to hear. She's still growling harder than a tiger guarding its dinner, but given how well Reason to Believe was received off the last album, it's nice that they're allowed to experiment with adding more melody in the vocals when they can. Also, one once again, a great use of synth choirs and were those real strings on Poison Arrow? I don't know, but it worked. Great album overall, glad to have the band back, 13 and a half out of 15. It might not bring on detractors, but still another fantastic addition to the collection. You know, I gotta hand it to Joseph Isaiah. The dude is part of a lot of great projects, but sometimes projects on the surface look so fucking stupid that you just have to check it out. Like, out of morbid curiosity or something like that. Like, for example, this new one, Bleed Like Miley, and the debut album, Nuxu Kao, featuring an album cover that looks like it came from a 2000s PlayStation 1 graphics card and five minutes of early Photoshop. It's a striking cover for sure, so of course I gotta check it out. What I got was a solid 22 minutes of crushing early 2000s metalcore. Hey, turns out the album art was intentional. Huh. Bravo. Bravo. But that sound is so refreshing to hear. Every metalcore band nowadays is trying to sound like everybody else, and they're all going for that kind of architect, tesseract type of eight or nine string metalcore while not doing anything different from each other. It's like that meme of the store full of Buzz Lightyears, and one of them is like, I'm special. And sure, in this case, the sound Bleed Like Mightily gives us isn't terribly different from that kind of sound that bands like Killswitch Engage, Bleeding through and Hatebreed made popular, but having fun with the sound and giving it their own spin like what Oakley Dokley is doing. Though less gimmicky, of course. Or fucking stupid, let's be real. Creative melodic riffs, grooving drums that hit harder than a drunk daddy, also some more fun guitar textures that would make Tom Morello proud, so long as he's not getting tackled by security, and of course, Joseph Isaiah's vocals. How many times have I said this dude has a powerful shout? 
fantastic clean singing in the choruses too as well. My god, this is an EP that front to back gives you what you want out of a metalcore sound. It doesn't stray too far from the norm, but it's still a solid album. My only real complaint is the bass. It's the same complaint with every metalcore act these days. They don't get creative with the low end and they just decide to follow the guitars. It's much easier than just creating your own thing. And yeah, sometimes that works, sometimes you don't want to go off and do your own things, but much like with Arch Enemy, I wish the bass could get creative and try something new. Like harmonize with the guitars a little, do a cool lick, pull a reverse Metallica and turn down the kick drum when the rest of the band leaves, or something, anything, I don't know. But still, at the end of it all, my grapes aside, a solid metalcore debut for a solid metalcore sound. 13 out of 15, check it out and keep your ears to the ground in case the bass player takes his revenge. The Halo Effect Days of the Lost, the debut album from this project featuring some of the legends of the Swedish metal scene. First off, I gotta give props to Matt Heafy of Trivium for recommending this. Not to me personally, he didn't send a message like, Tom, check this out. Otherwise, that's all you'd be hearing about out of my Trivium fanboy ass. And I gotta say, I see where he's coming from here. Holy shit, this might be one of the best mellow death albums I've heard all year. And yeah, it has that sound to it that gets you pumped, gets you moshing, and makes a typical workout at the gym a bit more aggressive to onlookers. Apparently as well, the members of this project were early influences for Matt Heafy and early Trivium albums, and listening to songs like Shadow Minds, Conditional, and the title track, it's easy to see how, and easy to understand, why a Trivium fanboy would eat the shit out of the album like a trip to IHOP or iHub. Honestly, I don't know what they're called now, but you get what I'm saying. As for this album, yeah, I have no reason to not like this album. I have no reason to not tell you what a great album this is. It's a fantastic debut release from this project. Tight rhythms in the guitars, fantastic lead melodies, and a great production overall. The drums are awesome too. I wish you could feel them a bit more, but it's only a minor nitpick. They still sit well in the mix. Plus, with the bass, you can hear it. It's still copying the guitars when needed, but because these guys get creative with the riffs and leads, the bass is free to do more in the bottom end. Plus, I like the fact that the clang of the bass is still audible in some places. That lack of perfection is so great to hear and to feel, too. Each song as well has their own identity to it. You listen to a chorus or a break on this album and can immediately pinpoint where it is on the record. Each song has a great variety in composition as well as in other sections, with each song evolving within itself and keeping your attention glued. It's no wonder Matt Heafy was so quick to plug it. The skill and talent on this is undeniable and wait, what's that on track 9? So Oh, that explains the plug. <laughs> I'll give you that one. You got us to listen, so a uh, bravo. I'll give you that one. <laughs> but for real, one of the best Mellow Death albums of 2022 and a huge contender for album of the year. 14 and a half out of 15. I look forward to being proven wrong. Pulse's Dragonfly just came out this past Friday through Darkstar Records. A part of me actually wasn't going to cover this album. Usually before selecting an album for review, I'll read what the presser says they are to get an idea of what they are and make sure that they, you know, would sit 
in the uh, jurisdiction of this podcast before downloading the album and taking up file space on my hard drive. Totally the most important part. And I saw that these guys were classified as rock, not metal. So I was like, a bit out of my wheelhouse here, probably want to get something with a bit more teeth. By the way, Stupid Past Me didn't even hit play on this album yet. Not sure why, like rock is usually a bit vague, so I don't know why I didn't hit play before deciding, but I kept reading and I saw a band quote that changed my mind quickly. Quote, this album is our most diverse yet. I think Dragonfly is the perfect name for an album that can move in so many directions musically. And thus, an easier target you just could not have given to a comedian than that. I was like, well, we'll see about that. Oh, fuck. I love it. I love it when it looks like a band overreaches when describing their albums. It's fucking sick. So I download and hit play. And 40 minutes later, all you hear from me is... Fuck, they were right. Oh. Part of me is tempted to give a bad score just because they proved me wrong. You know, <laughs> like you're sitting there like, you're not that petty, are you? We'll find out, won't we? First, right out of the gate, though, the press release, I feel, was a bit misleading. Again, the whole thing about like the rockers or rock is a bit vague on what they actually sound like. But listening to Dragonfly, while it's hard to call it heavy metal, it's more hard rock or alt metal at the very least. And front to back, you're given strong, crushing production. The vocals sound great. The drums do sound a bit more processed to the point of sounding sample replaced, but they're still sounding pretty great in the mix. Plus, the bass, while not doing too much fills out that low end nicely. I will say the diverse soundscape I'm realizing isn't really coming from the soundscape. Well, maybe a little, but I realize it's mostly from the abundance of covers on this album. I can't find every single one, or maybe I have and I just have no clue what's original and what's not because the band didn't fucking label them, but still, their covers of Wrecking Ball and Like a Prayer keep the original identity of those songs surprisingly well well, especially when transposing it to a harder sound. Though I'll admit, the second I recognized it was Wrecking Ball I was listening to, it was the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. Nothing to do with the vocals at all. I just wasn't expecting edgy Hannah Montana to then get made into a rock album and thrown onto my desk. It caught me off guard for sure. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> But still, it sounds great, and the stuff that I think are their original material sounds just as great and well-produced. Catchy, pumping, heavy, the kind of stuff that you would probably find your local rock station playing. Definitely not for the blackened hearted, but with a 13 and a half out of 15, it's a great sounding album front to back. Soik, three out of 15. You're damn right on that, Betty. Get fucked. And that's it for reviews. Like I said earlier, send your emails to McKay at themetalrobot.com or reach out on my socials for any albums you would like covered on the podcast or on the main YouTube show. Later on in the show, Atta Vistia will join us, plus our weekly Metal News Recap returns with something besides Satan. Unless, of course, that's what Tommy Lee calls his dumb. But first, we'll sit down with Kevin Kilfeather right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. 15 plus artists, multiple cultures, multiple languages, one almost unpronounceable name. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homiusius. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homiusius, a symphonic death blackened thrashing grooving core fest. What's 
genres. The X-Men of New Orleans is back. No, no, wait, I meant in metal with a new song from Dust Prophet. Could you not have led with that? Sure, but then you wouldn't have done the contractually obligated scream that I can now use for exciting purposes. Watch, Dust Prophet have a new song. <laughs> Here's another one. The tent broke off, so they're giving away free beer to everyone. Yes. <laughs> I hate you. When the Axe Falls, new fuzzed out jam from the New Hampshire Fuzz Rockers Dust Prophet. Available on Bandcamp, laid down in the podcast description. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is the Metal Robot Podcast with your host, Tom McKay. My first guest can be best described by his website as Psych Rock, which refers to a hazy concoction of garage rock and roll mixed with dingy elements of punk, classic metal, and pop music. Me? I just call it the result of, of the Sex Pistols and Guns N' Roses having a night of bad shrooms and two aged bottles of Habsburg. But if you're already high based on the track that I played in the beginning there, you're in for a really good time. The album that just released this week at the time of this release is Armchair Revolutionaries, featuring the most Woodstock-looking portrait of my guest, Killfeather, K. Killfeather. How you doing today? Good. How the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. So uh, before we get into this any further, I want to I wanted to ask you, just to get us warmed up here, who is K. Killfeather? Uh, can I say Kevin Killfeather? Uh, is that okay? Or do you want to stick sure, with K. Yeah. Killfeather? Okay. Who is Kevin Killfeather beyond the stuff I mentioned that I totally didn't pull from your website? Um, You know what? I'm just a, uh, just a humble, freaky guitar player. Um, you know, I've been playing most of my life and, uh, you know, over the year, very, uh, fronting various bands and, you know, going on tours and doing this stuff with, uh, projects of different names, you know, over time, just kind of had so many lineup changes and name changes that, um, somewhere around 2006, I just decided to start compiling my own, um, you know, music under my own name and, um, you know, all the projects that I had beforehand, I had done the writing and the the lyrics and this and the composing all myself. But once again, lineup changes and band name changes over the years, I just figured, you know what, might as well uh, take a, take a cue from Rick Rubin and Danzig and just use my last name as the, uh, as the uh, band name. And uh, ever since then, just been releasing, recording, you know, playing in my own solo band, touring, you know, doing all that good stuff, man. So like I said, just kind of came out of um, me needing to, uh, solidify my own, you know, career, so to speak. I don't like to use that word, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, it just to, you know, alleviate some of the pressure of like, oh, we have a new guitar player, a new bass player, a new drummer. Okay. So I just was like, you know what, it's going to be my name. And then, uh, you know, I will have the rotating musicians throughout. And then it'll be awkward when, Ke when Kevin is like, okay, so kill, Fe I'm leaving kill feather. Um, right. I'm leaving it to somebody else here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, as soon as I get sick of myself, then, you know, yeah, there you go. So I, I hear, uh, I hear that you are from Las Vegas. Cue the Elvis clip. Viva Las Vegas. Oh uh -huh, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. But now you're residing in, I believe San Diego. Is that correct? Or has that changed? Uh, yeah. So I was born in California, raised in New York. And then somewhere along the line, ended up in Las Vegas. Um, Vegas is, you know, a real kind of tough town when it comes to music and being a performer. If you're not doing Elvis covers and dancing on the strip. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I got signed recently uh, about, well, recently, about two years ago, um, and then was pretty much told I could go anywhere I want. So we were mm. like, let's move to sunny California again. So we're yeah. in San Diego and um, just 
you know, enjoying the enjoying the weather when I can. And how has that been going? Because I hear the differences between uh, San Diego and Las Vegas, especially especially compared to New York. They're all like so starkly different. How's that going for you? Um, it's actually going really well, man. I mean, so like I did have a band in Vegas um, and, you know, after making the decision to move here, it's, you know, kind of tough to fly those guys out and, you know, or drive them out. Um, so I ended up finding another band here in San Diego. Um, and then we just started booking up, man. I mean, we recorded a new record. So I've got a new record recorded after armchair revolutionaries. Um, and then I, we've already, you know, I got this new group together, uh, just found two dudes within the scene, bass player, drummer. So we're keeping it, keeping it like, you know, you know, good power trio. Um, mm-hmm. And found two dudes. We immediately learned a new record, uh, recorded it. We're, you know, producing it right now uh, and then just started booking up. So, I mean, we're booking all over San Diego and California right now. And then um, as soon as some more offers roll through, we're, you know, planning on doing a little West Coast tour here and there. Um, But yeah, man, like I said, right now, kind of just focusing on getting this new record done. I release a lot of material, so. I uh, yeah. have this new record coming out uh, or the new record will be released by the time this airs um, armchair revolutionaries. And then my next record, a momentary lapse of better judgment. You heard it here first. Um, mm-hmm. That will be coming out sometime, probably next year. Um, you know, we'll just be doing singles and videos and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's been kind of tough for me because I write records, you know, I don't really write singles and it's the singles market. So yeah, yeah. You know, we're just taking it slow and then trying to get things done one at a time. Um, because then also, you know, that that gives us some time to put out some more content and videos and all that kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, like I said, so just found these guys. San Diego has been really welcoming so far. And like I said, just booking up man, finding finding cool little spots to play and um, still going back to Vegas when I can. You know what I mean? But it's uh. You know what? Just keeping busy, man. Idle just keeping busy. Work, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, on the note of the freaking only albums, not singles thing, it's either all balls to the wall or don't even try it all, right? I'm guessing that's, that's the mindset here. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, I'm taking it in stride and kind of just, like, yeah, yeah. you know, realizing that people have such small attention spans nowadays. They only <laughs> want little bits at a time, you know what I mean? They want those little, uh, those little Spotify playlist gems, you know Right, I mean? yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, that's kind of the way that the industry has, for the most part, always been. I mean, you know, you take it back to the 40s, 50s, it was all singles. And mm-hmm. then the 60s came around and then you had a bunch of weird, freaky hippies like, we're going to put out 47 minutes worth of acid music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then once again, somewhere around, I would say the aughts, like somewhere in the mid 2000s, it started kind of going back to singles again. You know what I mean? Mm. To where once again, you're getting these curated playlists and you're getting these like, you know, tastemakers who really only have time for one of your songs, not your whole record. And I get it. You know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. understand. Um, But so once again, just trying to keep that in mind, you know what I mean? Um, Making stuff and then putting it out one by one, just so people could, you know, digest it more easily instead of getting the whole kill feather experience, you know? Yeah. Most prog metal fans are pretty offended by the Spotify thing nowadays, but that's... 
their own thing. But speaking of like, cause I know we were talking about uh, like briefly about like booking shows. Uh, you played your first show recently, I believe. Um, as of recording this, we're recording this uh, the week before the album comes out. But earlier on Monday, uh, there was video that went up on your Facebook that was, that you described as the first show. How'd that go? Yeah. So that was just the first show with this pro- uh, with this lineup. So not my first oh, show, okay. first show with this particular lineup in San Diego. Uh, went really well, had a really great crowd, really great response. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, ended up just after that show, getting another one and then playing that show and then getting another one. So, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of how it, how it snowballs into the, uh, the mm-hmm. booking effect is, you know, you just kind of get your name out there, you start playing. And then when people hear the, the absolute uh, ferocious sound that us three dudes, you know, make, um, absolutely. Like said, then, it, then it just, then it just gets into, you know, further booking and further opportunities and people like, Oh my God, I didn't know you existed. And, Oh my God. Who is this guy? I have no idea. Oh my God. So is that that a mutated Jack white? I don't know. I'm not sure. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but let's talk about this new lineup. Um, I I, I was looking, uh, when I was coming up with uh, questions for this podcast interview, uh, I was, I come across, I came across one you did about four months ago, uh, which was on, uh, the, to the fullest podcast with Jason Froberg, I believe is how you pronounce the name. And you were with, uh, your, the drummer, Mike McGinnis, I believe. Is he still with the project or has he moved on? Yes. Um, so Mike, he currently lives in Vegas. Um, and mm. you know, I'm still, we, we still try to jam and do stuff as much as possible. Once again, me being here and him being there, our schedules are just kind of conflicting right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, him and I, um, we actually recorded another record that uh, has not been released or finished yet. So that we're still kind of working on. <laughs> how many um, how many records do you have in the process right now? <laughs> it, okay. In the process? <laughs> uh, five. Oh my God. <laughs> so I have five in the process and Armchair Revolutionaries will be my 34th. Oh my God. I swear, yeah. psychi- psychiatrists and burnout specialists are currently losing their fucking minds right now. <laughs> Holy right. shit. Five. Right. I can barely handle a single EP in like one day. How the fuck are you doing really five is. at once? Um, you know what? The uh, complete lack of mental health is probably the answer. Nah, that'll do it. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you know what? I just, I, I've been writing my whole life, man. I mean, my, my first experience with music was recording on a little tape deck that my uh, my father's sister bought me when I was very young, when I was, you know, cognitive enough to be able to push the buttons. Mm-hmm. I uh, just started recording myself. You know, I didn't play any instruments, but just, re- you know, pull- plugged in a little microphone and pretended to be somebody, you know what I mean? So I do little skits and little songs and stuff like that. And then eventually in my like, you know, preteens, I, I picked up a guitar and started, you know, playing Dead Kennedys and Misfits songs. So um, it, after that, then I was just like, oh, I should record these and I should put it together. So then, you know, a long time of just various bands and, and different projects and trying to, you know, get my my sea legs acclimated, you know, um, it was just, you know, it was it was all downhill from there. So <laughs> I just, you know, I, I and just, it all know, rolled like, down from there. Yeah, exactly, I think exactly. that usually is how how it goes for most musicians that start after <laughs> after years of experimenting with their tape decks. You said pretty good start, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, not too bad start. 
Uh, but going back to like uh, uh, on the podcast you were on previously, um, uh, you mentioned on that podcast that when it comes to the creative process that you have, that your mindset is that you like to do uh, uh, try new things and experiment as much as possible. Is that mindset like how you uh, do things? Uh, like, does it come naturally, or is that something that you actively watch out for when you're uh, writing for your music? Um, so, I mean, that's a good question, man. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It's kind of a mixed bag, you know? Um, I believe it was recently, even though I could, I could absolutely care less about John Mayer. Uh, John Mayer said it best when he said, if you can't ad lib, then you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? If you mm. can't just come up with stuff creatively on the fly, um, you know, you got to think about it in the perspective of when a band gets signed to like a, like a, a big independent or a major and they'll say, okay, we'll give you a two record deal and we need it done by this time. I mean, you know, if you've watched that Beatles get back documentary, that's a perfect example of like, you have two weeks, you got to get in the studio, you got to record a record and that record's got to sell. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like you could see those dudes, they're ad-libbing. They're just kind of like jamming along and going, Oh, what, what rhymes with Arizona? You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, so it, it, like I said, it's a mixed bag. I mean, like I don't really write songs, you know what I mean? I just kind of hear them in my head and, um, mm. you know, and then it kind of just, once again, let me uh, go over here. Um, it, it, sure. you know, I, I, I don't really write them. I'd kind of just hear them in my head. And then what I try to put on record, that is just like my recreation of trying to hear those sounds. You know what I mean? Because it's like me, I will, I'll, you know, record something. And go, ah, it doesn't sound right. Ah, it doesn't sound until my brain goes, yeah, that sounds good. That's like, okay, that's what I heard. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and it's like, for the most part, a lot of my records, I'd say 90% of them, um, maybe even more are, are me. It's just me on drums, bass, guitar, vocals, production, the bells and whistles. You know what I mean? Um, I do have a producer I've worked with in Las Vegas named Brian Garth from a, a really good band out there called Black Camaro. And, um, you know, he's helped me produce and stuff like that and, and write and kind of like make things more uh, pop formula, if you want to say that. But for the most part, it's all me, man. And I, and I once again, I kind of just kind of just go with go with it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really ever sit there pen to paper and go, OK, what rhymes with this? OK, what chord structures go with this? No, man, I just do. You know what I mean? And I think that that's another thing that people uh have not really taken into too much perspective when that, you know, I have friends who are like, Oh, you're on your, however many records. I haven't even heard the first one. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I just keep constantly creating. I keep constantly creating and it's, and it's a lot of it is just on the fly ad lib, mm -hmm. just whatever comes from the ethereal cosmos. You know what I mean? Um, and then once again, and that's just kind of what, you know, what I put down on wax, so to speak, so that I could, just be satisfied with, you know, the, the, the dream song that I heard in my previous state of slumber, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I know there's plenty of songwriters that are like that too. I've spoken to many of them that have the similar mindset. I know I yeah. am kind of starting to get into that myself with my own songwriting stuff. Uh, but I've definitely been there where I've sat down and I'm like, okay, I got to re I'm hearing something in my head, but I want to make sure that I'm doing, uh, just putting it down experimenting, tweaking it as much as possible until it's something that I'm satisfied with afterwards. But yeah, I, I think that the being able to uh, just sit down and just 
let your brain just kind of puke all over the the song sheet. That's a great, I think that's a, a, an interesting yeah. way to, a great way even to uh, get something written down, which brings us to the new album, Ar- uh, Armchair Revolutionaries. So according to the press release that uh, I was sent, the album, quote, exposes a less than flattering reflection of our divided existence through a compelling array of energizing tracks, which funnily enough, I never would have guessed based on the fucking album cover, but what what was going through your head when you were writing the album? Was all of that going on at the time? Because I know you were talking about just letting it all out. Was that going through your mind at the time when you were writing? Ah, yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, so the record is very much just about, you know, this kind of displaced society, you know, like right now, especially in these awkward times, we have such polarizing views and such information and misinformation, you know, it's, it's, uh, no wonder people are going so crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah. this record is very much about that, you know, armchair revolutionaries by definition is, is someone who just pontificates what you could do and what needs to be done from the comfort of their home or they're behind their computer or, you know what I mean? It's, it's someone who really mm-hmm. doesn't want to take action. It's someone who really is just like, you know, um, complete laziness as far as when it comes to yeah. our, our um, responsibility in society. You know what I mean? Like we have this responsibility, especially here in the States of like, you know, democracy, man, we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be responsible. We're supposed to, you know, have our have our hand and have our say in what happens. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, that's not the case nowadays. And once again, you have such polarizing views that this record is very much just about that mental health or, or lack thereof. You know, man, I mean, like I struggle a lot with some depression and some, you know, anxiety and stuff like that. And music is my outlet to kind of help that and quell that. Um, so this record, like I said, it's very much just about that, like, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, that fucked up political spectrum you know what i mean that weird this weird chin that we all feel right now when it comes to like you know let's just say the vote or the vaccine or the or or what you have between your legs like all of these Mm. things are fucking so irrelevant to the scope of the universe but we we tend to pick these you know colored sides whether it be red or blue or whatever Mm. like it just like to me, it's all ridiculous. You know, it's all ridiculousness. Like there's no reason why, uh, you know, love can't reign supreme, man, but we're the one stopping it. You know what I mean? So like I said, this record, a lot of, a lot of that went into it and a lot of that, like that perspective of, man, we're, we're struggling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Humanity right now, we're at weird precipice of like, do we want to spiritually evolve or do we just want our Starbucks and American Idol? Like, you know, we right. kind of have to choose. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, like, you know, I try not to be too judgmental when it comes to people's like likes or what they need or what they want. I used to be very uh, close minded. You know, I used to listen to just punk exclusively. If you weren't punk, if you didn't listen to punk, it was lame. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then when I got older and I started. Poser, you don't listen to punk. (laughs) Right, exactly. When I got a little bit older and a little bit more sophisticated and, and started branching out, listening to more music. Pretty much just mm-hmm. exclusively the Grateful Dead and Hendrix. Um, mm-hmm. I fucking, you know, I just, I got back into the mindset of like, you know what? Fuck it. If you, you like what you like. I mean, if you want to dance to Panic at the Disco, go for it. More power to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I might not like it. I might not buy the ticket or the record, but hey, it makes someone feel good. You know, why not? Man? You know right. what I mean? So it's like there's this, 
there's this contention once again with like, oh, we've got to chase this sound or we've got to chase this trending thing. I think we may have uh, lost uh, Kevin here. We may have lost Killfeather. Uh, okay, so that is. Can you hear uh, me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, you you got you got lost for a second there. We lost you in the ethos yeah, of the interwebs. So, um, but yeah, sorry. so that, that's how. Sorry, I yeah. had to I had to blip out to another planet real quick. Yeah, no, no worries. We've been there. We've had to commit, you know, do interplanetary travel just to get our internet to fucking work. Uh, so, but I could tell, like, based off of your response there from the previous question, that I'm guessing this is something that wasn't just something that was on mind at the time of writing this album. This is something that you seem to be very passionate about. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like, once again, music is my outlet. You know, music is my thing, which I'm sure it is many. Um, music is my, um, my way of decompressing and, and figuring out this strange thing called life. You know what I mean? And, and to be honest, I'm not a huge music listener. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I often say like, I really only listen to dead people, you know what I mean? But, and that's You're not more of a music people. writer than a listener. Exactly. I mean like, dude, the chocolate maker's not eating the chocolate, you know what I mean? They're just making it all day. Or like I, I contributed a lot to a chef, like mm. a chef in the kitchen is making food all day. When they go to eat, they're eating over a trash can real quick. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. not, they're not sitting down and enjoying a five-star meal, you know, like they're, they're cooking all day. And then when they get home, they're like, all right, cool. Let me get a bag of Cheetos and go to sleep. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, what, what so is the nearest, the what, what's well. the nearest garbage I can find on Uber Eats? Uh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but so like, you know, I, as much as not an, uh, an avid, heavy music fan despite the fact that i play a lot of heavy music um mm-hmm. you know it's it's that's the it, like i said it's therapy for me so it's just something that i, I could kind of once again we're we're all trying to figure out this thing called life you know we're all trying to figure out this uh this strange existence and i think that music is one of those uh maps it's one of those guides you know what i mean if you just let it it will take you to to uh, very high places. Part one of my interview with Kill Feather. The new album is Armchair Revolutionaries. Check it out. Links are down in the podcast description. We'll continue our chat about all this and much more next time. Coming up, Atavistia are doing some fun stuff with a shirt design, but first, let's get into the metal news of the week right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by My Sanity. Everything is so depressing! Why? To stay up to date with the latest in the metal scene, check out TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com. This is MRE News. Oh boy, oh boy, there's a lot that happened this week. So much, I don't think I can get to everything that was talked about, but let's see how much I can get through before my brain explodes into 20 million pieces and the cat has to lick it off the floor. And let's start with, ugh, you know what we're about to talk about. Let's get into it. Tommy Lee is not shy. He fully displayed his hog on social media. <laughs> That's a wild boar. That's not a hog. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what's worse, Tommy Lee's Twitter or that entire TMZ clip. I'll let you be the judge. Tommy Lee did a thing that nobody should really be surprised by, and yet people are. It involves the infamous Tommy Lee's dog. I don't know why there was a gong sound effect for that. 
the Motley Crue drummer got very comfortable with himself on social media this past week, and since then, people have been losing their minds all over again. Hey, if the 80s can get brought back in all its glory and shame, why can't we do the same for the 90s, am I right? Now, Tommy's Mr. Wiggle has since then been taken down by Meta's Facebook and Instagram, but is still up on Twitter for the whole world to see. And it's not like this was accidental either, by the way, just so we're clear. He knew what he was doing. So much so, when a fan made an artistic tribute to the Wonder Muscle, he posted that to his Instagram, which is still up at the time of this recording. And that has sparked a different controversy, with a CNN journalist pointing out the double standard this has set. Quote, So Tommy Lee can post a picture of his penis on Instagram that's still up three hours later, but a picture of my curvy booty in a thong bikini gets taken down? Cool. Cool. Now, she's referring specifically to the art tribute photo, in case you were confused. As mentioned, the original one was taken down. Which, fair point on all of that, though some have argued that because it's art, it should be fine to stay up. To that I say, I've seen many female models do photo art where they're not even, like, not wearing no clothes, but they're more scantily clad. You still can't see anything. And yet, even then, they're still banned from Instagram. Yes, art is subjective, but I think we need to remind Lizardberg that if he has terms of service set up, it should be enforced for everybody, regardless of gender or where you're from. And if you're not going to have equal enforcement of rules, then maybe don't enforce them at all. That's all I'm saying. Now, for this next story, I want to talk about journalistic due diligence, because apparently TikTok user Serena Trueblood doesn't seem to know what that means, thanks to their series Is Your Fave Problematic? Welcome back to Is Your Fave Problematic? Where they go into an artist's history and find some shit that's not okay in today's standards. The next target? Metallica. Yeah, yeah. I won't go into too much detail as Nick Nocturnal has already done a fantastic video breaking down everything that's talked about in the TikTok and why there are some good points, but also a lot of shit that's fucking reaching so hard. But I think I can add something to this because it's important to clarify a lot of the stuff that was talked about because the TikTok has spread like crazy, Gen Z wants to cancel Metallica, and it's all presented as hard black and white fact while also ignoring the gray areas that people might want to know about. By the way, before I go any further, a couple things. One, please don't harass this person. I know most of the shit I'll be talking about is really stupid and is a fault on their part, but Metallica fans are already force-feeding them shit as it is, so, you know, don't be an asshole, don't pile on. Also, for transparency's sake, I know I am not a journalist. I do have a show here that is journalistic by nature, and I know some people have said that I am a journalist, but I don't see myself as a journalist. I never went to school for journalism. Most of the work is done by other actual journalists, and I'm just presenting it again in my own way. But I feel that I uh, am confident enough to talk about this because I have a background in broadcasting, and I've rubbed elbows with enough journal award-winning journalists in my time in radio that I feel I'm confident enough to talk about this in full here. So, with that in mind, the problem that I have with this TikTok is that journalistic integrity goes out the window, because the TikTok is just showing us photos and videos out of context of members of the band doing some really dumb shit. Some of it, I'll give credit, looks really bad. But for every Jason Newstead goose-stepping on stage, even if it's a joke, it's still not great, there's pointing out James's Iron Cross guitar, where we are informed... Iron 
crosses are neo-Nazi dog whistle symbols. Oh, God. Okay, this is the second point, too. Right out of the gate of the second point in this TikTok, while technically correct, that statement is extremely misleading. Because while ADL.org does list the Iron Cross in their hate symbol database, they're careful to clarify which version. The specific Iron Cross they feature has a superimposed swastika in the center, which is a hate symbol. But the article goes on to clarify that an Iron Cross in isolation, such as the one James has on his guitar, quote, cannot be determined to be a hate symbol. Which makes sense when you think about it. First of all, the status is disputed all over the internet. Some do want it to be classified, while others don't think it should. It makes sense. The Iron Cross in isolation was used by the German military long before Hitler was even born. Also, you'll still see it today, either by some clothing companies or even, wait for it, the Canadian military. No joke, look up Victoria Cross, the highest decoration of military valor for the Canadian Armed Forces, and if you take away the lion, the crown, and the pro-valor tag, it's literally an iron cross. The funny part is, I found all of this from three minutes on Google. Something that a TikToker stirring up some shit is probably not gonna do. To quote Mark Twain, first get your facts straight, then distort them at your leisure. Then there's also the classic old photo of early 20s James and Lars doing the Nazi salute in a part of Berlin where Nazis did do some bad shit. Which sure, is not great, it's absolutely stupid. But you can usually tell when someone is serious about their racism and when they're just kids who don't know any better trying to be funny. Like, I know it's still a bad thing to do, but come on, James is literally doing a finger mustache. Is it really moronic and look bad? Absolutely. Does it mean they're racist, though? I don't think it does. What is racist, though, is this other allegation. Because Ice-T was supposed, supposed to join us on the tour, he said, I don't want to share my stage with a N-word. Oh, boo! Boo, James! Boo! That See, why didn't you start with that one? That is obviously way more appalling if that's true. That's an important point I want to make here, though. If it's true. Because this is where journalistic due diligence comes in and journalistic integrity is very important. The only sources listed here is Roberta Freeman, a backup singer for Guns N' Roses during the tour, and Axl Rose. Keep in mind, this story is taking place around the early 90s, and if you knew anything about Axel from that time period and how much alcohol and drugs were in the system 24-7, you'd know he wouldn't even be a credible source to use in a murder trial, even if he was the only witness to the murder. I'm not saying he's lying, by the way. He could be telling the truth here, but it could also be a distorted reality from that time. I'm not saying he's lying, and I'm not saying it didn't happen. And I'm not even going to go into the other shit in Axel's own troubled past that people are quick to point out, because that is an entire podcast right there. But the point of journalistic due diligence is finding out who your sources are before using them, but also understanding that even if Axel was credible, this is still a hearsay controversy with two people, two people saying something happened, but no proof of the contrary. Again, not saying it didn't happen. And if it did, James absolutely should be held accountable and thrown off his fucking platform. But a hearsay controversy is a very important distinction, because hearsay is a hear story, and a hear story is not history. And it's important to make that distinction rather than just spouting a story as fact with only these two sources. Now, one thing I'll also point out here is a critique of the band's stand against racism. Metallica doesn't give a shit, alright? We don't give a shit about the differences, okay? 
We care about the similarities. We don't care who you voted for, what you do or don't eat. We don't care what color your skin is, what you do for a job. We don't care what you've done in the past. What we do care about is the fact that we're all together here celebrating life with music. And you know, that is a pretty standard metalhead mentality. So no wonder it got a lot of praise. But Serena Trueblood didn't see that. Then there was this statement that he was praised for, for speaking out against racism. Even though at the beginning of it, they talk about how they don't care who you voted for. As if Trump supporters weren't supporting racist policies. If you care enough about racism to denounce it, then you should probably care about who people are voting for because those people influence policies that are racist. Oh my god, why is Gen Z so quick to make everything political? Okay, A, don't make this political. Totally unnecessary. Like, unless they're actively saying, Trump supporters are the best. <laughs> You're stretching so far that even Elastigirl is jealous. B, look, Serena Trueblood, can I call you Serena? It's very obvious that you have no idea who this band actually is, nor have any idea about the community and culture that these guys come from of metal. Because while you were busy trying to turn this innocent kind of statement and make it political, you failed to even attempt to understand that this quote Metallica made is a metalhead mentality. It's a metalhead way of thinking. We metalheads come from all backgrounds and all walks of life. It doesn't matter what your race, gender, sexual orientation, creed, and politics are, because we all have in common our love of metal music. Sure, it comes in different forms and different tribes of subgenres, such as thrash metal with Metallica or even Killswitch Engage with metalcore, but at the end of it all, we're all metalheads. We, in general, as a consequence, are not tolerant of intolerance. Sure, some pockets do hold racist views, I'm not saying those don't exist, but on the whole, as a metal community, we thrive on loyalty and togetherness, despite what most would probably think. And that, my friend, is the context to a point that you try to use against the band. Context I shouldn't have to provide for you. Look, at the end of it all, cancel culture, when directed properly and done right, can be a powerful and important part of today's society. I know it's popular to not take cancel culture seriously and to denounce it entirely, but people do egregious things and those people need to be held accountable. The problem comes when bullshit like this gives cancel culture a bad rap, makes it not be taken seriously, because people find a bunch of shit in someone's past that looks bad on the surface, but don't do the basic shit that you learn in first-year journalism to confirm whether it's true. Actually, let me amend that, because I'm not even a journalism student, and yet somehow I did the basic first step of doing a hit piece, and I went to Google to confirm my sources and make sure that I'm giving the facts straight so I know I'm not going to be presenting you with any falsehoods. And to be fair, I am not saying that I'm the better journalist uh, because I went to Google. I'm saying that journalistic integrity is something that you absolutely need to have if you wish to be taken seriously in this. And yes, in this TikTok, there is some stuff that is egregious. A lot of it is just tasteless dark humor, which is pretty standard in metal. But the rest of it, as mentioned, can be easily discredited. 
Now, if you want to look further into all of this, I've linked the full TikTok as well as the various sources I used in this piece in the podcast description if you want to look further into it. But all I'm saying is that it's a sad day when a 24-year-old straight white male comedian with a microphone did more journalistic due diligence than a TikToker trying to label a band as problematic. Like, if I can give one word of advice that you're not going to listen to, because I feel like you've checked up at this point, I can say this. Make cancel culture not a thing that is hated upon, but something that can actually be taken seriously if you want this stuff to be taken seriously. Above all else, do better. Whew, we took a bit with that one. Uh, we got one more I do want to mention. I'll make it quick. Spotify is getting into the ticket selling game. Tickets.spotify.com is the address, and it's set up as the new place to purchase concert tickets rather than doing what they'd done previously and redirect to Ticketmaster. As the site read, quote, Your destination for live events by creators you love. Ticketed by Spotify. Which I know I just read like I'm a Howl 8000 or something, but it just reads like that, doesn't it? I can't be the only one getting dystopian and Monopoly vibes. Now, as of recording, only seven artists are featured on the site, none of which are metal, but if this site picks up steam, it's possible we'll see massive expansions into more venues and more genres. The site launched officially this past Wednesday, August 10th, according to Pitchfork.com. Fun fact, originally called Daddy didn't give me enough love as a child, so now I'm have a website. .com. But as mentioned, with only seven artists, this is basically a beta test, which was confirmed by a Spotify spokesperson talking to Billboard, Metal's favorite music ranking website. Right now, it's still not clear how artists can partner with the platform to be included in the live page, nor is it clear what the ticketing fees will look like, because you just know that has to be a thing. But when we find out more, I'll be sure to let you know. And that's it for this week's Metal News Recap. There were a few more stories I did want to cover, but I couldn't for timing purposes. But I will say at the very least to end this off, the Black Sabbath being urged by British members of Parliament to be honored by the Queen thing is such an awesome thing I didn't expect. If anything changes with that, or if the Queen responds to that, I'll do a piece on it next time. Apart from that, if there are any stories I may have missed or anything you want me to cover on future episodes of the podcast, let me know. I'll be happy to try and squeeze it into the show during the week. Weekly Metal News Recap. Coming up, we bring on Atavistia's Matt Cipolla, all the way from Victoria, British Columbia, to talk about a fun joke that the band made about their own music in the form of a t-shirt. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. We'll be right back. Looking to stay up to date on all things Metal Robot? No, not really. What? Why? I don't listen to metal. How are you listening to this podcast? I thought it was Joe Rogan. We're going to pretend he didn't say that. Follow the show wherever you tread on social media. Facebook and Twitter. At The Metal Robot. Instagram. At The Dot Metal Robot. You can even join the Metal Robot Discord server. We have fun there. Links to all of that and more in the description of this podcast. Follow now. Let's open the gates. For Astaroth has risen. And the demon has gone core. Wait, the story is the demon has gone core? I don't get it. Just wait for the drop. What the fuck? From the ashes of ascendance, Astaroth is born again. Enter the world of Sam Astaroth with his new song, Demon Core. Available on all streaming. Music video available on YouTube. Links in the podcast description. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. 
Tom McKay on the podcast, the Metal Robot Podcast. Hope you're enjoying yourself here. If you can tell by that sound, we have Atavistia here. Wait. Oh, shit. One second. I played Winter Sun going into this by mistake. Hold on. Dumb. One second. Everything was relabeled, so now I just gotta fire the robot assistant. One second. Is this one? Ah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> apologies. That is Atavistia, specifically The Forbidden One, off their 2020 album, The Winter Way. And here I thought that kind of mistake only happened to Megadeth at the Grammys. Megadeth, yeah! Actually, that reminds me. You see, back in 2020, when I reviewed The Winter Way, I said something along the lines of this. The closest comparison I can think of is maybe Winter Sun, but even then, those guys are unique in and of themselves, so there's not a lot of concrete reference points. Well, it turns out that I wasn't the only one who did that. Yeah, originality is fucked at this point. So the band apparently heard quite a lot of people talking about the comparison between their sound and Winter Sun. And what is a band to do when they are compared to somebody else? Well, Atavistia did something that is probably a genius moneymaker and is fucking hilarious. To talk more about this, as well as the announcement of the band's upcoming full-length album, Cosmic Warfare, due out early 2023, I believe, I'm sitting down with uh, Atavistia, specifically Matthew Cipolla, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. That's good to hear. So first off, uh, just because uh, this is your first time on this show, people probably are like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't know. Uh, so let's let's get a brief history. Uh, who are you? Who is the band? Where are you guys from? And how long have you uh, been around? And what would you describe your sound as? Sure. I'm Matthias Cipolla, and I formed the band Atavistia from Vancouver, BC, Canada. Back in 2017, when I released the debut album, uh, One Within the Sun, and I didn't have any plans for it to become a live project immediately, mm -hmm. but it was pretty well received and pretty negatively received as well. <laughs> as, as things usually are when the first time they come out. <laughs> of course. And then about a year later, I met up with my bassist, Dwayne, for the first time. Actually, sorry, I met my guitarist, Dalton, uh, back in 2016 when he was uh, touring with one of his other bands. I think he was just helping out at the time. And we got mm -hmm. talking at a show and we were big fans of Winter Sun. And I said, hey, uh, I started a project that sounds a little bit like Winter Sun. <laughs> and he was, you know, all in after that. So, uh, yeah, 2018, mid-2018 is when the full band became a, a live thing. And then we had our first show in December of 2018. So that was exciting. That's pretty cool. Now, as you mentioned, because you guys like Winter Sun so much, uh, the sound has been, uh, from what I understand, heavily compared to Winter Sun. What was your initial reaction to that comparison, the criticism compliment? I have no idea. How did you take it the first time? Well, I was younger when that happened. And I think you know, I know where this is was, going. Yeah, it's like my <laughs> first introduction into having my music out in the world. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of responses were great. And that was like a huge ego boost, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then the handful of negative ones were like soul crushing. Oh. <laughs> no, why did you not like it? Yeah, exactly. But now that I'm getting a little older, I'm maturing mm -hmm. a bit and I'm, I'm realizing that it takes time for bands to find their own sound. And I believe with this upcoming album, we've 
truly found our own sound. So awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear that. Now let's talk about the shirt a bit further. So Helsana is sure. the name of the shirt. It's yeah. up for pre-order now and you can grab it in the description of this podcast. It looks like from what I understand, it's a hot looking group of Winter Sun employees in <laughs> a sauna from the fiery depths of Mordor. And on the back of the shirt, it just says, we know, which, what, what was the inspiration behind that shirt? Something to do with the comparisons that you were getting? Well, so actually I was live streaming on Twitch one day and someone in the comments section just said, you guys should just lean into it and, and maybe make a, a shirt item that says, we know. <laughs> and so we did. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, I think that was probably the best response that we could have gotten from like that kind of thing. Usually I've, I've seen bands crash and burn when criticisms come or critic or compliments, depending on how you take them, come yep. up where they're like, no, we don't. We sound unique. I promise. <laughs> love us. But in you, in your case, you guys just leaned right into the joke at this point and turn it into your own, your own inside joke. Oh yeah. At first it was, you know, very, it was playing with the emotions like, oh my, oh my God, is this bad? Is this good? Are we complete rip off copycats? Some say yes. Some say no. But again, like the older you get, you're like, okay, now it's time to kind of find your own sound. We found our foundation mm -hmm. and that was a sound like Winter Sun. And now we can kind of expand because the thing with Winter Sun, I believe Yari created a whole genre in his own. So any band that gets a little bit of influence from that is immediately recognized as almost copycatting if you right. catch my drift there. Yeah. Now, what was the inspiration behind the design of the shirt? Because again, it's like, I, I can't imagine that this would have just immediately been like, oh, the first thing that popped in my head as I woke up or a random wet dream later. And it's like, here we are. <laughs> well, as a band, we kind of talked about ideas and we kind of came to the idea of, you know, us kind of infiltrating the sauna aspect of, you know, the whole controversy with mm -hmm. Winter Sun and Yari just spending all his time in a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that we'd, uh, we thought that we'd break in and kind of, you know, take over the sauna realm for a little bit. How's that been going so far? Has it kicked you out yet? Or is he uh, just kind of like, has not been aware of your presence yet? Well, if you look at the imagery, he's still there. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So let's talk about as well, because uh, you announced as well, a new album that's coming out. There's been no further details about it, but we do know the name of this album is Cosmic Warfare. We also right. know that the possible release date is uh, towards like the, um, <clears throat> like towards early 2023, um, which unless you ask the trolls, uh, which case they'll tell you that uh, the album is just time 2.756 or something stupid. What <laughs> else? What else can you tell us about this upcoming album? What details, what juicy details can we get? Lots of blast beats. I cannot wait now. <laughs> Sold! No, there's uh, we've kind of gone into the space realm. There's a lot of space elements and crazy synthesizers, lots of blast beats. And yeah, just in a realm where we truly feel that we're kind of calling our own and it feels nice. And now this album is expected uh, early 2023. So do you, uh, do you have a more specific date in mind or is that the general ballpark that you're aiming for? Well, at first we wanted to have it released by December and then we're like, mm, maybe January, uh, February, most likely March sometime. Mm -hmm. And is that still set in stone or do you think that might change at some point? Do you think Something could go wrong. Hope to God, knock on wood, nothing goes wrong. Well, yeah, always knock on wood for nothing to go wrong. But we've kind of, 
set our own deadlines to have everything completed uh, two to three months before that. So we can Mm -hmm. then just, you know, push everything and get that going. Now, uh, you said it's about space. Now, what uh, before the winter wait, was that uh, as far as I understand, I can't really remember much of it, but uh, do you, what was that more of a concept album? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm not the only one. Uh, Was that like a concept album of some kind, the winter way? I don't really have like hard concepts for my lyrics or Mm -hmm. music. It's soft concept. Sure. Like all the songs can, uh, they kind of sound like they're related, but not, you know, like a full on, Karach Angren mm-hmm. album where you where the, from start to finish it sounds like an entire story. It's a, I'm not okay. I'm not good enough lyricist for that. <laughs> and would you say like that's the same thing we're going to expect with Cosmic Warfare or uh, have you okay I was about to say have you dived into like oh there's a Star Wars but metal wait so oh, that's you just gave me a great idea <laughs> Ooh. oh I cannot wait for that one to come out in like 500 <laughs> years so <laughs> that's pretty cool now do we should we expect more uh this uh teacher designs that in the future around this kind of inside joke or is this the only one like is this going to be a limited edition kind of thing well, I think we're going to push this one as far as we can it's it's our favorite design so far so all right that's pretty cool and I know that uh, for the pre-order you guys need from what I understand 24 sales to be able to print uh what's the details about that is there like uh something that the, the t-shirt printing company has that you have to do or is this yeah, like so a the- logistical thing uh, the t-shirt printing company, their minimum is 24 for each batch. Mm. So we just, we got to get that and we did, we got it. So it's fine. That's pretty good. And it's coming in uh, all forms. I'm guessing it's like regular t-shirts and, uh, and I believe tanks are part of it as well, or is that so incorrect? The pre-order is just the t-shirts. We printed tank tops, but those are going to only be exclusive for our live shows. Mm-hmm. And, all right. Yeah. Uh, the- no, go on. What were you saying? I was just going to say they were going to only be exclusive for the Loudest Hell Festival that we just played, but uh, <laughs> we didn't make a lot of sales. So we're, gonna, <laughs> we're just going to have those be for uh, for all of our upcoming shows until we sell out of those. And Fantastic. We'll see about the tank tops. All right. And the, and the tank tops for now are just going to be at the live shows. You won't put them up on the website or anything of that sort, right? No, just, just for live shows. All right. Well, if you want a, t- a sweet tank, you better... Uh, Better go see Atavistia live. So uh, this interview was fairly short. Uh, I do, I you know, we'll be uh, uh, keeping this kind of short for the podcast. But I do have one final question for you. As this is your first time on the podcast, you must be asked this specific question: If you could be any cereal box character, who would you be? Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, at some point I need to put a rule in like, please, no more Count Chocula because <laughs> everybody keeps saying it. But, oh, God damn it. Okay. I was going to be unique there. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's that's twice now where I think I'm being unique, but others think that I'm hey! sounding like someone else. Woo! <laughs> you know what? I, I think you just gave me a t-shirt design idea. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, all right. So, Atavistia, the latest album is The Winter Way, a fantastic epic blockings something metal album. The new shirt is Hell Sauna. It's up for pre-order. Get it soon. Uh, They need, as mentioned, 24 sales to print. And who doesn't want a funny shirt to add to their all-black shirt collection? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That was Atavistia. Go check out their music. Check out the shirts. The guys have a great sense of humor about that stuff. And honestly, do make some pretty great sounding music as well. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. 
The Reign of Fire has begun, so let's wrap this episode up right here. We won't be back until next week, the weekend of the 26th. So in the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and following me on all socials for updates on all things Metal Robot. We'll be back around the week from now with K Killfeather and much more. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at the Metal Robot, Instagram at the Dot Metal Robot. And you can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, podcasts, press, and so much more. Special thanks to Matt Simpola of Atavistia, K Killfeather, as well for joining me. And as always, spinning the wheels of vengeance is co-producer Anna. Great job once again. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. 